Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis, here as always with my good friend, Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm great. Awesome. Sarah and I are going to be talking about something today, and I, I can't remember the exact working title, but I want to say it's Stuff, Junk, and Things. Is that Stuff, right, Stuff, Junk, and Things. And Stuff. that is a direct quote from our listener who posed this question. So thank you, Kate, for uh, titling this episode for us, because it's a great little catchphrase. Stuff, so, Junk, and Things. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about the things, the stuff, the clutter, the junk, the toys, um, and all the accoutrement of family life that mm-hmm. um, can sometimes take over and feel very overwhelming. But first, we're going to do a semi-irregular irregular segment. And this one, we're going to be talking about products that we're either recommending or just find intriguing. Sarah, I'm going to yeah. let you go first on this one because you have one that I know um, a lot of pe- was on a lot of people's wish list this year. I feel like this really broke yeah, out this year. This is, this is the breakout year for the <laughs> robot vacuum. <laughs> so... Um, I mean, I, the Roomba was on my radar for several years and I feel like, I I don't know this for sure, but I feel like it got a little bit of negative press for being, you know, very expensive and maybe not all it was cracked up to be. And I think a lot of new technologies start out that way, right? Like it seems like a great solution, but there's more kinks. And so I feel like this is the year that maybe we've reached that tipping point where, um, yeah. So anyway, I think it used to be one of those things like fancy people had, or like it was a not even a luxury, but sort of like a, just like silly. Right. <laughs> and then sometimes, I, I definitely remember hearing that it was not as effective as it yes. was cracked up to be. So right. then, then it's very expensive and also not effective. So anyway, um, for Christmas, I actually received two robot vacuums because my parents and my husband did not uh, chatter with each other about what, who was getting what. Oh gosh, so so um, we returned one, obviously. But um, we got the Neato, which is not the Roomba. I feel like Roomba obviously has the highest brand recognition, I'm sure, market share. Um, but Brian is kind of 
a research, he likes to research technology and electronics. So he did a lot of research. And I think for our home and for pet hair specifically, and for a few other reasons, uh, Roomba still gets great, great reviews. Um, but the Neato, so it's Neato bought back and I will link to it. Um, they actually have several models ranging in price, but ours is at the higher end. It's so funny. It like will send you notifications on your phone while it's working. So it'll be like, I'm stuck or like, please, you know, please, I'm going back <laughs> to charge my battery or like, <laughs> you know, please remove me from the corner or whatever. Actually, it doesn't get stuck very often. It's very smart. It learns your floors. And um, I put a little video, I'll have to put that in the show notes on Instagram of it, like tootling around my floors. So I will say the thing with a robot vacuum is you still got to pick up your CRAP crap yeah. before you let it loose, which is perfect for what we're talking about today. Because I feel like half of the battle in doing my floors is picking up all the stuff off the floor to be ready to vacuum or sweep or whatever. So um, does it pick up dog hair pretty well? Yes. It does that would be, that would hair, really be the, is, the big thing I would be. Yeah. For. And that's one of the, I think that was one of the decision makers. It's also D shaped instead of round, which means, I don't know, like the details, but it can go. It feels like it can get better into little nooks and crannies. Little, little nooks and crannies, which means you don't have to pick up you know, I, there's a couple tables that I move away from the wall a little bit. Like I do a little bit of prep for it. Um, but it really is pretty good. And it's, it's very smart in that it learns your corner. So if there's a corner that it kind of like gets stuck in the first time, it'll learn that next time. It's well, pretty that's cool. cool. It's very um, cool. What was the price point on it? I think it was six ninety nine. Okay. Um, and the, my parents had gotten me the Roomba and they'd also done a lot of research. Um, and again, I think that's a great product. And I think the one that they got was in that same range, but I think both have different, um, different models, depending on what you need, just like a KitchenAid mixer or something. Yeah. You can like do the high end. So, and now you so, just need a cat that can ride around on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, um, <laughs> like a stereo Well, that was in Parks and Rec where he put his little, um, Bluetooth, um, <laughs> speaker. Funny. So it was like a little, a little, um, mobile stereo that moved around. Anyway. Oh, funny. Yeah, so that's the Neato. That's my robot. And oh, you have a robot now. How cute. Well, the, the reason I decided I need, the reason I decided I need a robot is because the kids for Christmas got a BB-8, the little Star oh, Wars robot. Right. And Which is what we named our, our vacuum. Oh, so that's, that's hilarious. Awesome. Well, so William took some pictures of it, you know, flying around the floor and Instagrammed one of the pictures. And I was horrified by how dirty my floors were. Yes. So one robot led to the, me now wanting another robot. My it, floors show so much. They're really beautiful. Um, ours too, but, but they're, they're shiny and like everything. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Darn dogs. Anyway. Um, okay. So mine isn't exactly a product recommendation. In fact, I find this, it's so funny how the timing of this stuff sometimes works out. But last night I posted, um, I'm sure everybody listening has heard of the book, The Magic, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie, Marie Kondo. Yeah. What's, Kondo? Kondo. Marie mm -hmm. Kondo. Um, I have been hearing so much, you know, I'm always kind of skeptical. I tend to be a little bit of a contrarian and I've heard so much about this book since it came out. Um, and I have not read it, but last night I posted, you know, I wouldn't say super critical Facebook status, just kind of like, I don't get it, you guys. From what I've heard about it, I, I don't go into people's houses and see clutter all that often. I feel like most people I know deal with their clutter pretty well, at least on the surface. Now, that mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's not lurking around in closets. And, that, and I know everybody has places in their houses that they could clean and stuff like that. Of course, I absolutely do. Um, I'm staring at one of those places right now. I just feel pretty content. So I kind of posted the status like, I don't get it. You know, most people I know who aren't either moms with little little kids who are, you know, strewing right. toys literally everywhere or who aren't like hoarders. Yeah. Um, 
of a certain age, I tend to find like the retirement age hoarder yeah. thing is, is like a thing right now. But I, I just, just, just doesn't feel like a big problem. And man, it was one of those threads that really kind of blew up. People yeah. are really into this. So I feel like now I have to read it and be more fair. I think you should read it, but I don't think you'll change your mind. We're gonna t- it's <laughs> okay. funny because we had this slated and our sweet listener, Kate, sent this in. And we're going to stick to her question, which really is separate from the KonMari Marie Kondo book. But it is so funny, the timing, because we right. were going to talk about this. And then you had a Facebook debate about it. I actually have read the book. Um, and in a minute, I'll tell you my reaction, but you should read it, but I don't think you'll change your mind. I think you'll hate it. I mean, just, just my personal. Okay. Well, I think it was, you know, a lot of people had really good points to make about emotional attachment to stuff, which I know isn't exactly what we're talking about today, but sometimes I think with little kids and their stuff, like the emotional attachment matters. I think I had more of that in my younger years. I've moved a lot and that's made me much more ruthless. Um, Now, truly, if there's if I have clutter I haven't gotten to yet, it's because I just haven't gotten to it yet. It's right. not because I can't throw something away or whatever. But what someone, a commenter, said in this in this um, thread, which you might not have missed because it was like buried, yeah. she said something like, you know, walk into the room and look around at the things you don't like or you don't care about. What is the vibration of your heart doing or something? And I'm like, I don't. This is not speaking my language. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if the whole book is like that. It, a know. lot of it is. Okay, okay. so I'm going to tell you my reaction to the book because it's really funny. And listeners, if you – it's a fast read. So even if you think this isn't going to be life-changing for you, it's it's such a fast read that it's just interesting to see what everybody's talking about. But I – my experience reading the book was I had like a, like a violent hatred of this <laughs> concept for most of my reading of the book. I mean, it's it's translated from another language. So there's a, there's a translation gap, I think, in – in the in the reading of it there's a huge cultural gap between living in big japanese cities there's a major gap in the fact that um she did not have children she actually has a baby now but did not have children and most of her clients did not have children or had like one child so there's always all of these huge gaps that just made and then and then it is rather dogmatic it's a little Mm. bit extreme so i just had i kind of like hated her i don't mean that personally but just like (laughs) Really felt fired up. But here's the big but. I would find myself later, like later in the day, I read it in like two or three sittings. It's very short. Thinking about one or two things that I think are really powerful. So I have a very like a very strange reaction to it. I didn't really, it did not change my life. I don't think it's magical. And like you, I'm sort of always a little suspicious of like wide sweeping trends. I think you and I are the same that way. However, as like as much as I didn't like reading it, there are like two or three little things that I'd come back to later in the day that I thought were interesting and thought provoking. So yeah. it's it's kind of worth a read for that. And I okay. I I would bet Megan that you'd have something similar where there'd right. be one or two things conceptually, and then the other ninety eight percent you just want to like throw it into the fireplace. <laughs> yeah, and I know um, and I know people I love and respect who seriously die by it. You know, like yes. loved it. So it's so yeah. interesting. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes, and they're ready to go. 
Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Well, and I think that we all do have different different levels of uh, emotional attachment to things. And sometimes it's the things we have to get rid of. And sometimes it's the reason for buying things and, you know, why we hold right. on things. And so I, I don't discount any of that at all. Um, I just, yeah, something, I, it just kind of struck me from what I've read that probably wouldn't sit that well with me, but I will give it a shot now just because, because you recommended it, Sarah. Yes. And I it's do everything a, you tell me. It's a fast one. So listeners, if you have strong opinions one way or the other, we want to hear uh, about just it. Just leave us a comment at themomhour.com on this episode 35. Um, yeah. And we want to hear. Um, I will say one more thing on that is that. <laughs> You know, obviously you do a lot of purging, especially in your clothes and closet. And that was probably where if I applied any of this, it was in my own wardrobe. I mean, the rest of the house is like a lost cause. It was not going to go Marie Kondo. But right. um, I actually like in the when the weather turned colder a couple of months ago, I was like, where is that shirt or sweater? And you know how they always say all, all like purging experts will always say like, you'll never miss it. If you'll you haven't worn it, it, you'll never miss it. I definitely got it. rid of a couple of things that I missed after reading that book. Not oh, like no. really missed, but I was so, it was so extreme that, that I'm like, Hey, where'd that shirt go? <laughs> anyway. Oh my gosh. All right. So this episode is the, I'm calling it the non KonMari method for dealing with loads of crap year yes. after year. That's my subtitle. All um, right. So, all right. So I'm going to bring us back to Kate and Kate yeah. sent in this question to us a long time ago, four months ago, maybe. So I'm happy we're getting It was to buried it. under a pile of stuff, Kate. Sorry. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was in the clutter of my email. Um, and she was so sweet. She wrote us a really nice, I'm not going to read her whole, whole email, but she said, I have an idea for you. Stuff, junk, and things. She said, I had a writing teacher in middle school who would not let us use those words because they are so unspecific and vague. That phrase perfectly describes the tidal waves of stuff that enter my house with every holiday and birthday. I kind of loved that setup because um, 
it's so true. Like it just in parenting and she has a three-year-old so that, um, especially with toddlers and preschoolers, Mm -hmm. it just is a tidal wave of stuff. And it's sort of, you know, you just lose control of, you know, liking everything in your house or having everything have its place. And there's an element of kind of surrender, I think that we'll get into that. But anyway, Kate's specific questions, I think were really, if I were to summarize, were really number one, how to kind of minimize the intake, like not, you know, she talked um, about grant, very generous grandparents and wanting to give a lot of gifts at birthdays and holidays. And I can relate to that because I had the first grandchildren on both sides and have very generous three sets and very similar to Kate. So how to kind of minimize or manage the intake and then how to purge, like how to get rid of stuff when your kids get attached to it. And then how do you organize what you do have within the home? So those are, I mean, we could write a book about that, but those are, I think some of the things we're going to touch on today. Yeah. Um, So thank you, Kate, for the question. We love, we love, um, listener input. So let's talk first about kind of the intake, like minimizing, minimizing if that's what you want to do or managing how much crap gets it. Can I say crap on this show? I've already done it. I think it's pretty P. I'm not going to get us. That's a PG word. That little E. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) There's no other word. I mean, stuff, junk and things really equals crap. Crap. Um, all right. So I know, I don't, I think you probably had a different experience than me with the like generous grandparents and loads of gifts at birthdays and holidays. Um, but I, this is something that we definitely have, have been blessed with, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does, I think there's something that feels like it's a little bit out of your control when, yeah. when it's just being stuff that's being given to your kids. Um, and the one thing I will say to Kate is that gets a lot better as the kids get older. And there's a certain part that will just resolve itself because yes. number one, toddler and preschooler toys are, are big in size. They're getting yep. things like trikes and ride on toys and push yep. toys and they're big and plastic. That goes away really fast. Toys get smaller, physically, yes, smaller. physically smaller. They also get more expensive and right. grandparents just peter out. There's more, yeah. grand, there's more grandkids that get added to the mix. Um, the kids' interests go to things like art and books and Legos. So, I mean, I don't want to say just stick it out, but in a way you can kind of stick it out because that the just sheer volume does, I think in most families resolve itself. Would you, do you have Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny because they go like Jacob's first, maybe two birthdays and Christmases. He was the first grandkid on my, on the in-law side. And it was just a flood of stuff. And man, that has really, has really slowed way down. I mean, they do go through, everything's huge at first, like you said, things then get smaller. For a Mm. while, they get like annoyingly small. (laughs) Especially with girls. I don't know what it is with girls and tiny, tiny little toys. Um, With boys, like the tiny toys tend to be Lego and it all just goes in one place. But with girls, it's like everything is tiny. And And it's 8 million different types of tiny things. (laughs) So that's continued to be, you know, a little bit of an issue. Um, But it does change a lot. And I would say my boys' rooms now, the youngest boy being 10, they are Spartan. Like they hardly have any stuff. Yeah. Because everything is just sort of like one unit, you know, it's like there just isn't, I don't know, it's just not the same as it was. Um, so yes, and, that and definitely the gift does. Giving, the gift giving frenzy, I just yeah. think calms itself down. People are so excited and generous grandparents are so excited to give and baby toys are kind of fun and it's yeah. like so easy to and buy. And they're not That's expensive. 
to buy them without right. asking for a lot of input. As the kids get older, there's a lots of selection, and yeah. yeah, and they're not super expensive. So right, exactly. Yeah. So as the kid, I, so that part solves itself, I think. Um, if you just wait a little bit, um, Kate did say that she's asked for no gifts at at friend birthday parties, which I think is a great strategy. We've done that on and off. It depends on how big the party is and how yeah. close the friends are. But asking um, at least for certain groups to do no gifts, I think, is a great strategy for some people, especially if you have a small home or. Yeah. And then absolutely. she mentioned that she f- sometimes feels sad that they don't buy a lot for her child from mom and dad because they know that there's already so much coming. And I can yeah. really relate to that. Um, and I think in my early years as a parent, I felt that a little bit. I would get all- give all the ideas to the grandparents and then I'd be like, well, there's I'm not going to get them anything else. I right. know much yeah. I'm getting. And I think I've just let go of any emotions about that. The kids right. are so happy with their gifts. And, and they I, don't know. I get to love them in a million other ways. Right. They're not keeping track of like, what did mommy pick out? And I think on like really small holidays, like a, val- a little Valentine something or an Easter basket, I then get to have more fun picking and out one control. little thing. Yeah, no, I agree. Not. So um, those are the things that Kate said she's already doing that I think are good strategies. You know, one thing, one thing I did, I'm going to say up until like definitely at three, maybe even up to four or five, um, you can almost kind of see, like you can see as your kids are, if there's just a glut of gifts, it's just way too many, you can kind of mentally start taking stock of what's going to be the the thing that they're going to really want to play with and what's the stuff they're going to forget about. And I remember very clearly like making two stacks of gifts, like not in any obvious way, not in a way anyone would notice, but I would like take, you know, it takes an hour to get stuff out of the packaging anyway. So right. I picked the one that I knew absolutely was a go. That was right. going to be like the big exciting gift. Start taking that out of the package, kind of shove everything else yeah. beside, behind the couch or whatever. And then I would often do, those are the re-gifts. Those yeah. are the the ones that just go in the closet and you pull them out on a birthday or something. I mean, there's just, you don't, you're not obligated. And right. I, I know this sounds really ungrateful and terrible, but you're not obligated to throw every single gift your kid gets into rotation right, right, right. now. Right. Um, maybe there'll be another time later in the year when, you know, that toy could be like a rainy day surprise or maybe, you know. No, I think that's a great strategy. Yeah. So. Keeping it going. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And just, you can, I think you just, you have the right to be a little selective about what you unwrap and throw in in the toy box. And if, um, if you have relatives who are open to ideas, I think it works differently in every family, but if they really are genuinely asking for what the kids want or what you guys need, and mine have been so great that way. Um, guide them toward, uh, guide them toward, um, more expensive. I don't mean that in a bad way, but fewer, like less quantity and more quality. I've always asked for things that like, I think, gosh, that's kind of a lot. The magnet, I use the magnet tiles example in our holiday gift episode, which we'll link to because that's some good toy ideas, but they are intimidatingly expensive, but they, they last forever and the kids play with them every day. And so I'm much more, if a grandparent is asking, and I think sometimes the grandparents like the idea of giving a lot, giving a lot of you know, um, quantity, yes. but if you can steer people toward quality and, and score yourself some really long lasting, beautiful products, number one, they tend to look better. You feel really good about, you know, your kids playing with them year after year, and it minimizes the number of, you know, the amount of stuff. So not everybody's open to those kinds of suggestions or even, you know, has the budget, but if that's an option, you know, say, look, we know you love to give. This is something that we're not able to spend the money on right now. But if you're, you know, if you're up for it or if you'd like to go in on it with the aunt and uncle, then we'd love that. And that way you're getting one big thing instead of 20 small. For sure. 
Um, I have two comments to make about kids who are getting older. So I'm thinking like yeah. five, six, seven, and, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, one thing that we found really helped was to limit the number of systems that we sort of invested in and then ask people to like chip in on that system. So what I'm yeah. getting at is like, I'm not going to have my kids collecting both Lego and that other thing that's like Lego, but it's right. not, you know what I mean? Like, right. or if they're into building sets, I'm not going to have them in to two different, like the robot right. one. And like, right. you got to kind of pick something and go with it. Yeah. Because if people don't know that your kids are really into one, they'll just buy like a starter kit right. from something new right. and now you've got two. And where are you going to put the second one? Yeah. The pieces don't interchange. Right. They don't right. work together. So I think it kind of early on, it's yeah. not like you have to make a choice about your kid's toy future. But I think early on, like what you did with the Magnet Tiles and we've done mm-hmm. with Lego, you just kind of got to like, you kind of got to commit yeah. to one or the other. Um, there's nothing worse than having two kinds of building sets yeah. that both look a little bit like Lego, but aren't both yeah. Lego get yeah. mixed up on the same table. And then the yes. kids don't find out yeah. until later that, excuse me, none yeah. of the pieces fit each other. So it's just one comment. Not really for little kids, but it can be, honestly, even Duplo. I mean, yeah. there's uh, knockoff yeah. brands of Duplo that don't yeah. fit Duplo. And that and, goes back to, too, giving the feedback. If people are open to feedback, yeah. don't feel bad about saying, this is what we've got our eye on. <laughs> this is what yeah. we like. No, totally. Um, the other thing that I have been very clear about, and I do it in a really joking way. So it's not, I mean, I'm not like, you know, like some kind of dictator sending out, you know, some kind of demands about what kind of gifts you can give right. my kids. But when people have asked me, I've just said, like, please, please, please do not buy them those fakey science kits. Please don't do it. Right. Those things are like, you know what I'm talking about. Right, well, Sarah? explain. I okay. mean, I'm sure I do. The ones that like are first way overpriced and you open them up and it's like a different little package of each little powder and then like, oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? There's yeah. like a tongue depressor and like maybe some kind of powder you mix with water and it turns into some kind of adhesive or something, whatever. Yeah. It's always like, it's like a volcano kit. Yeah. So right. it's like a $25 volcano kit where everything's individually packaged and they can't do it without supervision because you have to literally open the packaging for them. Or like with the girls. I feel like we had a couple of years oh. ago with like make your own lip gloss and make yes. your own. Oh, yeah. Those have always been a disaster. I, I just, I, I, I remember the year that we got an um, ice cream making kit and it took all of the men in my family, like taking turns. So like my dad, or not my dad, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, my husband, um, and all the boys who were bodily abled yet right. to crank this thing for an hour and they oh got like a scoop of ice cream out of it. And I thought, okay, someone, I mean, it was funny. It's like a funny family memory, but right. it's just junk. It went in the trash yeah. because I'm not, we're never going to do that again. Right. And I'm never going to buy all the powders that have to go with it. And so right. I just feel like those gifts are super fun to buy and they seem really fun to give. And the kids always go, wow. And yeah, then... it is. It's a good, it's a good wow at the opening. <laughs> but it never really pans out. And it, those become clutter because you don't want to get rid of them. Yeah. Because they seem like something, you know what I mean? They seem right. like something you don't want to just throw away. Right. But then they never really get used or they do and they just make a mess. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm unfairly biased, no, but no, I have a big I, problem I'm with the those. Same way. And actually, one of the things, one of my last points for the kind of managing the intake that I had written down is that just beware of anything. And this is really exactly what you just said. Beware of sets that have to all stay together in order yes. to be fun or yeah. that only work when all the parts or pieces or batteries are there. Yes. So in other words, you do not want to spend the rest of your year with little kids coming up to you and saying, do you know where the little disc find- that goes yes. into this um, projector yeah. goes? Or can you change the battery so that this works? It, you're not, you're not going to avoid this 100%. But if that can be only 10% of your toys and yep. not you know, 60, it will just save you just you know, hassle. Yeah, totally agreed. So, Should we move on to the next, yeah, the next question? Yeah, let's do. So let's talk about purging. Purging. Um, okay. 
And this is a big one. We're going to skip the KonMari method because you could read the book for her method. Um, but my first tip on purging is ignore the advice that tells you to involve your kids oh, as a way to you teach You don't want to them. involve your kids. Don't involve your kids <laughs> as, as a way to teach them altruism and donating things they no longer use. This, they are not developmentally capable of that until they are – how old do you think, Megan? Oh, like I – mean, 10, well, I mean, 14. yeah, <laughs> older, first of all, they might feel the altruism. They might know in their heart it would make someone happy to give them something. And I'm not saying kids under that age, you know, eight or right. maybe eight are yeah. unable to sacrifice. It's just that they literally, to them, it's so overwhelming. And every time yeah. I've ever handed my kid a bag and been like, you know what, go through your stuff, pick out what you, you know, you really don't need or you want, and we'll give that to someone that's going to make them really happy. Um, I've ended up with a bag, like a huge trash bag with like two gross stuffed animals with a dog chewed up at the bottom. Like that's, yeah. I mean, that's what your kids will do. It's not, they're not selfish brats. I mean, they're no, not un- just, incapable of empathy. It's not no, that. They're just not ready. They're not so ready. Do not involve your children. Um, Instead, sneak around the house when they're at school or sleeping and be ruthless. Um, it feels yeah. so good to do that. I mean, I, did, I, feel like re- I feel like the Grinch, but in like the most satisfying way. But then here is my one strategy. Keep it in the garage or basement or somewhere for like a couple weeks and see if anybody notices. Yeah. Because that way you have the chance if they really are. Um, I'll never forget one time we had friends come over and the, it wasn't even one of my kids, but the little girl was like, where is that? big giant stuffed rainbow snake. And it was one of those really <laughs> bad stuffed animals from like a Chuck E. Cheese, but it was really big. Yeah. And she remembered it. And I was like, oh no, oh no. Oh no, oh <laughs> it's no. in the Goodwill That's bag. So funny. But the Goodwill bag was still in the garage. So like give yourself whatever. And don't let that become permanent clutter because eventually you do have to just Goodwill it. I put it right in the back of my car because honestly, yeah, I won't I won't get by Goodwill for a week or two anyway. And that gives me kind of a natural buffer. But right. I will say that rarely happens. I try not to worry about it too much. Right. Like that's kind of one of those fluky things like you getting rid of a sweater and then realizing. Yeah. It's like, oh, like well. that sweater. Yeah. yeah. And right. And, I mean, I just usually play dumb like, oh, I don't know where that is. I better just keep looking. Like yeah. my, Violet's still asking about a book I got rid of like six months ago. And she'll still be like, where's that book? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so don't involve your kids. Just sneak around. Um, they'll be ready. They're, you know, you can work on their empathy and altruism in other ways. Exactly. Um, and then my other thing there was if you if you aren't ready to purge, just at least rotate. Like I rotate a lot where I move toys that were upstairs, maybe toys that were in their bedrooms downstairs to our yeah. living area mm-hmm. or vice versa. And they play with them more and differently. Yes. Or they'll find new ways to combine, um, you know, a couple of different building sets or something. So that's a good way to shake things up. It also kind of helps reveal if they really are still playing with stuff and maybe it was just too far away or if they really aren't. So yeah. if you're not ready to purge, rotate my other one. Um, you know, you, you mentioned when you were talking about your neato, um, the, the the need to sweep before you use it. And I remember watching my sister. She really taught me how to be ruthless. Um, was when her daughters were in the poly pocket phase. And her daughters mm-hmm. are both adults now. So this was, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And right. it she would sweep the floor and just throw everything she swept up away. Because there was so much of it. I mean, it was right. there were shoes and purses and yeah. little tiny coats. And like yeah. every little kit was, you know, three, four bucks. It wasn't a big deal right. to eventually buy more. But it was like you could just tell she made sort of that you know, that mental decision, that judgment yeah. call in the moment, like the life energy I will expend yeah. picking the little pieces out yeah. of the dustbin 
Right. And then finding a place for them, is that right. worth it? Nope. There they right. go. And the kids never notice. I mean, there's a no. million, those things come with a million pieces. Yeah. So I've gotten, I'm kind of the same. It's, if it's something like really important, I'll keep it. But mostly, most of the time, if something is kicking around on the floor and no one even notices, right. no one's going to know if it goes in the right. trash. So, Agreed. Yeah. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Uh, and it can be fun. I've actually kind of, I kind of get a kick out of throwing things away when no one's looking now. Yeah, no, I totally do. That's what I said. I'm like the gleeful Grinch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but it is hard. And here's, I'm going to say something about uh, good old Marie Kondo in, right now about getting rid of stuff. And one of the little nuggets that I took away that I think is a good philosophical one is when you do feel like you're holding on to something either because I'm going to need it in the future or there's an emotional attachment, her advice or her, what she says is to separate that thing having done its job or served its purpose already, which that's where the emotional attachment right. is, right? Like using your example of the science kits or your make your own lip gloss, the excitement of that was the, the person who got to pick it out, the child opening it with a yes. big smile, the glee of opening up the little packages. Those things were real and they have already happened. It has right. already, <laughs> it's been it spent. has already <laughs> served its purpose. And right. of course she gets really like philosophical and kind of Eastern about it and wants you to like thank it for its service. <laughs> But that I actually really like that because uh, if you can do that, it separates. I don't. I don't feel bad about throwing this away because I've already had the experience of what it brought me. And I know that sounds yeah. a little woo woo, and it is. 
But it, it was helpful to me because it really allows you to be a lot more ruthless because you can say this sweater has served its purpose. I loved it. I wore it for five years. It, it no longer has that purpose. Goodbye. Yeah. So, um, oh, I I think, yeah, that makes sense to me. I think um, that's a good thing. If a little tidbit from her for purging is just to be like, yeah, th- this was this did its job and its job is done. So the yeah. poly pockets were part of the excitement of getting it and opening it up. And they have they have served their time. <laughs> You know, um, something that struck struck me when we were talking about holidays, this is not just always your own kid's um, birthday, but we've talked before about goodie bags, right? And I know you have <laughs> yes. an extreme hatred of them. I do. So my approach to the goodie bag now is like I let, you know, it's only really Clara now getting goodie bags. Right. Oh, and every now and then I'll go to a party when they have them, but most of the kids have aged out of that. But right. I will let her eat the candy out of it immediately. Okay. Like right away, because there's usually not that much, like two or three yeah. pieces. Then... Um, I take the pencils out because I am mm-hmm. a pencil hoarder because with five kids in the house, I feel like yep. we, we just need lots of pencils mm-hmm. and then I just trash the rest mm-hmm. <laughs> when she's not looking and it's never, it's just never been a thing. Like, I no. don't know. Like I, they think it's fun. Like you said, just to get right. it, it yes, served it its is. purpose. Like they got the bed, they got to mm-hmm. d- dig through it. They saw there was some fake teeth in it or like a, <laughs> a ring or whatever. Totally. If Claire was really attached to any of the things in that bag, she would have taken yeah. them out already and done something with them, you know? Yep. So it's, she's more attached to the more. whole. One more layer of that, because I do have, Reed in particular is especially attached to stuff and has like true anxiety about getting rid of stuff. He's better, but, um, they each have a drawer or a place in their room that they call their special drawer. And I started this with Reed when he was like three or four, because he, he would like, he had like pre hoarding tendencies. And I know that I've talked to other people whose kids do. Um, and so I just say, go put it in your special drawer. And the special drawer is just a drawer on the top of his dresser where I don't have to look. And the truth is when the stress- special drawer is full, he has to look in there and realize that there's a bunch of stuff he hasn't cared about in a long time, but at least gives him a little semblance of control back. Yeah. No, um, I like that. And so then I don't have to look at it. And so that yes. specifically, like, especially birthday party, um, goodie bags, anything else rocks he collects, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then he feels like he's in charge, but it doesn't end up being the miscellany. The, yeah, the, no, you know, Claire has the same, she has like yeah. a, um, an area, she calls it her crafting area. Uh-huh. And it's just kind of like a little nook of our, this kind of useless sunroom that we have that doesn't really right. serve any other purpose. And she's got lots of like little, like I, I loaded it up with baskets and tins and stuff. And so when something like that, I'll say, you know, if there's something out of this you want, go put it in your area. Right. And it goes and I don't know her system. I can't figure it out. Um, I'm sure she has some system. Right. And there's little bits of like Play-Doh things that she's made and let dry yeah. out and stuff. I just don't even like I try not to be at all attached to that area. That's her yeah. area. Yep. Yes, it's in the living area of our house and people see it. But it's very obviously a child's area. There's like right. drawings and art everywhere. I mean, no one's going to walk in and be like, gosh, Megan's right. a slob. Like, why is her Play-Doh right. everywhere? <laughs> so I just try to remove any anxiety I might have about that space because it's not my space. It's not really my business, you know? So that does help as well. She likes things. She likes things. And kids can start to do that when they're very young. So if if it is, if it's becoming your clutter, make it their clutter and give them a place to put it, you know? And eventually they run out of space and they, with the, with the distance of time in between, they realize they don't really maybe need it. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about purging. Um, which I would you agree is kind of like it's never perfect. There's no perfectly, there's no perfect purging schedule. It just no. has to happen, right? Well, like, and and that's the thing. The, the other thing I really want to reassure moms, especially of young kids. Yeah. And we've said this a couple of times in different ways, but it really won't stay like this forever. You yeah. when your kids are really little, you're sort of 
First of all, they are making messes all around you. They're mm-hmm. every time you put stuff away, they take it back out. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to invest so much time and energy just in caring for them. Mm-hmm. And there's just it just doesn't leave a lot of space in your life for creating this like, you know, it's okay not to be yes. a total mini- minimalist and for yeah. your house not to look like, you know, like yes, like a zen magazine article or something. It's just, I I also want to say it's also okay if that's hard for you, because I did notice in your Facebook debate, um, conversation, I think there was like kind of two kinds of people almost like people who really struggled with clutter or mess or however you want to call it. And they weren't hoarders, but just where it felt stressful to them. And I would put myself in that category. And so while we're you know, giving cheerful, encouraging advice to Kate and these other people, I just want to acknowledge that it is really hard for me. It's like up there in my top three struggles as a mom. And I'm not saying I need to do anything differently about it, but just accepting it and living in the mess and living with myself in the mess and not letting it be, you know, really a problem for me mentally is hard. So I guess acknowledging that, that, you know, is okay. If that's not easy for you, you are not alone. And I think that also there are ways to even kind of, because I don't love being in a, you know, really messy space either. If there's a lot of clutter in a place, I'll just kind of start avoiding that area of the house. Um, So one of the strategies that I've talked about for a long time is just making sure that if there's areas that I am going to occupy a lot Mm -hmm. or they're important to me, those are the places I focus first. Yeah. Um, And even if that means ignoring a kid's room. Yeah, I will ignore the heck out of a kid's room because it's not a place, you know, unless it's like a baby's room that I have to go in every day. It's not as important to me as making sure my dining room table isn't covered with stuff, Um, which is a problem. Like John does computer work and there's Mm -hmm. a bunch of tiny little screws and um, (laughs) screwdrivers and little pieces I can't even identify a little hard, tiny little hard drives and stuff. They're all over the place. And I have to get on him to like, you can't, this can't be on my dining room table. You have to find your own place for this because that's a place I need to have clean. My kitchen right. counters have to right. be cleaned off. Like right. that stuff. I think that's okay. Like to kind of have your, yeah. your sanctuary, your trigger areas, yeah. whatever you call them. Yeah. Um, if your bed has to be made or your you know bureau has to be cleaned yeah. off, like it's okay to prioritize those. Yeah. And I think sometimes that can kind of be like a little, like you walk in and look at it and go, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can deal. Yeah. With and it just takes time. I feel yeah. like it takes time to figure out what, where your tolerance is. I think I tell myself a little bit of a baloney story sometimes that I'm okay with mess because that's my reality. But in fact, I think it'd be better for me to acknowledge that I'm not okay with it and put a little bit more intention into fixing it. Do you know what I mean? So you have to find where that place is where you don't feel like you're a slave to um, an unattainable perfection, but also that you are taking time for the things that are important to you, cleaning wise or clutter wise. So, okay. Well, that was a little philosophical interlude. I want to finish up maybe the next 10 minutes or so by talking about um, just little strategies for organizing the crap that is in your house. So let's acknowledge that some is going to come in. We've talked about sort of like the floodgates and maybe ways to um, control a little bit or manage what comes in and about getting rid of stuff when it's time. But let's assume that there is a certain amount of crap that will be part of your life for many years. And so little... tips for organizing. So I have a few and I know that you do, even if you haven't written them down just because you're, you've been managing a home for a long time. So, um, so I guess the first thing I wanted to bring up is that some people choose to have like dedicated play space, like a basement or a playroom or have the toys in the kids' rooms and other people kind of integrate 
um, toys and stuff and kids stuff into the rooms of the house. I know it depends on your home and all that. Yeah. How have that, has that worked for you guys? Um, well now it's not, again, it's not as big. Yes. An issue. Or yeah. How did but it when, work? when they were babies and toddlers, um, I had like a, <clears throat> like an, I almost, I think actually it was, I bought it at Pier One. I remember that clearly. And I think it was sold as like a shoe, like a shoe bench or mm-hmm. something. You know, it was like one of those kind of low bench things that had like different cubbies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was out in our living room and there, it was covered with toys. But mm-hmm. I made sure I only put the toys on it that I would feel okay about being strewn around the room mm-hmm. if company were to stop by. Mm-hmm. So it was stuff like the beautiful wooden wire yeah. roller coaster and like, you know, that kind right. of stuff. Things right. like... Things that were a little more easily contained, like mm-hmm. big blocks and mm-hmm. not, you know, tiny little piece things exactly. or, little, you know, little clothes. So that was kind of how we handled that. I wanted the toys to be more integrated because it made my life easier. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have the kind of – we've really never had the kind of setup where the kids could just – we live in a Michigan – we live in Michigan. We've always lived in older homes. And so there's just never really been that basement that could be yeah. like the run amok area. Yeah, um, California does not have basements almost yeah. – like across the board. So, right. Yeah. And with so many kids, we've never had an extra room for it. So, we've really had to integrate to some degree. And I've, it just makes my life easier to know that I can be working in the living room and a yeah. kid can be playing on the floor next to me. Um, but that was kind of our approach. I don't, it's funny though, when you start talking about systems, that's where I feel like I start to fall apart a little bit because I've never really had a system besides, I've never had a consistent organizing system besides be vigilant. Yeah. And stay on your feet. That's really like yeah. just do something, no. you know, pay attention, maintain, 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 and do something every day to make your space a little bit better. Yeah. And sometimes that looks very, you know, sometimes that might be because I bought a certain thing that right. at Ikea or wherever, the crate, the container store that just happened to work really great for my space. And that is always a surprise right. to me because I feel like I've spent a lot of money on organizing yeah. containers and things over the years and been like, uh, right. you know. Um, but most of it is just action yeah. for me. Yep. Uh, no, I agree. And we we also have always had toys pretty much integrated. Our our last house in Arizona had a loft upstairs that was a great playroom. But when the ages that our kids were when we were there, they weren't playing as much independently. They were really little. And it was upstairs when I was off and downstairs. So I don't feel like it got used in the way that it might now or that a basement would get used if your kids were a little older. But right. um, so I, I do have a couple specific tips. Um, Number one is to have, and this is kind of does come a little bit from KonMari method, is to have primarily one place where everything goes. So what I mean by that is if you pick up a toy and ask your spouse or a kid, an older kid, where does this go, that there's pretty much only one answer. That doesn't mean that like, oh, it could go in this bin. And I don't have, I don't have like super labeled systems or like really rigid expectations. But for the most part... Legos go in this bin. Baby yeah. doll stuff is all gathered together in a Lakers room in a big bin. Now, does it make it to that place every time? No. And sometimes, like, the way Brian cleans up is, like, just to put everything <laughs> in the nearest bin. Right. And, of course, that's, like, a fundamental, like, personality difference with us. But Didn't we realize that, like, you, you like, yeah. I am Brian? Yeah, probably. <laughs> figure that out at but one point, yeah. He, he is able to declutter or pick up a room in like 20 seconds because he just puts everything in the nearest bin. I'm actually more likely to let the clutter sit for half a day or a day and a half until I can thoroughly put everything away. I don't think it's either or I think, but I do think that as your kids get older and are able to help putting, put things away, having, 
having everybody agree that this is the bin of plastic animals and that right. this is where they go. It gives, it allows you to expect a little bit more accountability from other people when you say put things away that really everybody knows. And the KonMari method, she was so big on having everything of a similar type only live in one place. Like you don't yeah. have some purses hanging by the door on a hook and other purses in, you cl in your closet. You have all the best, you know. So yeah. she was really extreme about that. But I do think that when I start to feel overtaken by what I call like miscellany, mm -hmm. it's because I, I, I need to stop and think, okay, where do these things really belong? And maybe that's when it's time for like a minor overhaul where we decide, okay, all the baby doll stuff is going to go in Violet's room now, or it's all going to come downstairs because she plays so much with it. So that's one thing is, is to, for the most part, try and have items of a category really belong together in one place and have everybody know where that place is. Um, let's see what my next one was. Um, oh, this is one for upstairs and downstairs, or if you have a larger house, um, we have a couple baskets that are like basically lost and found or miscellany, mm -hmm. yeah. but it's one per kid. And they're, they're, they're pretty baskets that are kind of hidden in a bookshelf. They're not, they don't look junky. You can't even see what's in them. But when I find things downstairs, like we're talking about the little, like the calico critter yeah, dishes yep. that are tiny. If I wasn't sweeping them into the dustbin, I would put them in Allegra's lost and found basket. And then her chore would be whenever I decide it's not like on a schedule, but to take that up to her room and put those things where they go. And that way I'm not trekking up and putting all this miscellaneous things. And also then if they ask me where something is, the first thing I say is check your basket. So it's like a cubby kind of, I guess. Yeah. No, we had a very similar um, system. It's actually a funny story about that. Like when the kids were all littler and there was much more miscellany. Um, right for each specific kid. Yeah. Um, we did that. They were, just, they were all lined up at the bottom of the stairs and our stairs were behind a door so people couldn't see that they were there and I could just open the door and chuck stuff in. And um, I kind of fell out of the habit of doing that over the years just because it became less necessary. And we moved into a different house where like it was easier just to hand stuff to kids and have them take it up. And anyway, long story short, my mother-in-law one day said something like, oh, I was reading this article in Better Homes and Gardens the other day. And I was I read this really great tip about putting stuff in baskets and taking it upstairs. And then she's like, and then I realized that you wrote it. And I was like, oh, and then she said, but you don't do that. <laughs> so it was like, I totally got called out by my mother-in-law, but I had written the tip like three years earlier and right. I had just then made it into the magazine. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't do that anymore. But that's, you know, it's such a great example of how things can change. Yeah. So you don't have to get married to, if something's working for you, like, this is, I feel like Sarah, this is like the, the drum we beat constantly, mm -hmm. right? But something can be working for you now. And it can be the best thing in the world. And it can mm -hmm. be great. And that doesn't mean in a year it's going to serve a purpose anymore. So right. you can let go of uh, a technique or an idea as right. well, or try something right. new and see if it yeah. works better. Um, and, and I think those times when we start to feel frustrated or anxious or uncomfortable is the times when the opportunity is presenting itself right. to change up, you know, when yeah, things are absolutely. no longer working. Um, I want to make another comment about having it have a place. Okay. Um, I think sometimes, okay, I live in an older house that has very little storage. Like the mm -hmm. storage situation in this house is really wonky. And there, unless I was to just buy 8 million baskets and then mm -hmm. I have a basket clutter problem, yeah. right? Like there really just isn't a place to put some things yeah. away. Some things are mm -hmm. always going to be out. And mm -hmm. an example of that, I, you know, I love scarves. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have like several light jackets that I wear mm -hmm. when it's not really, you know, winter, I have my one heavy right. winter coat, but I have like several like lighter ones that I wear when the weather's nicer. 
And there's really just not a very good place to put them away. There's mm-hmm. hooks at the very front of the house, but that's not convenient for me because that's never where I am when I'm getting dressed. Right. It's like I just need them right. like in my bedroom, but I don't want them in my closet because there's not right. room in my closet right. to make a long story short. So I have this I have this chair in my bedroom. And for a while, I just found that I kept chucking stuff on that chair and I didn't mm-hmm. like it. Like it felt like I wasn't. I wasn't putting things away, but then I realized really it made the most sense for my light jackets and my scarves to go on that chair because it's really the place that's in front of me. I can see them laying out. So now I just lay them really nicely (laughs) on the chair. No, you just change your mind that 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 is where they go. It felt like a cop out and I kind of looked around. I was like, where where else could they go? Could they go in the closet? Well, it's not going to work. There's not really enough room. Could they go out front? No, that's not going to work. It's inconvenient that I'm going to be spending all this time like walking back and forth trying to figure out which scarf I want to wear. That's not going to work. And I thought finally like, and then, okay, I could buy something to put them in, but why would I do that? Like, why don't I just make it look nice? And now I, instead of looking at that chair, like like a cast off or an afterthought, right. Right. that is my like scarf and jacket chair. Right. And nobody really sits in that chair anyway. So that's fine. It's That's what it is. That's the, yeah. s- the purpose it serves. I think sometimes we can be a little more flexible yes. about what put away yes. means. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, here, I here. I don't have anything like to say to that, except I just totally <laughs> agree. And sometimes it's as simple as changing your definition of what is correct or what is acceptable. Right. And what does put away mean? I mean, exactly. Exactly. I think we're we're expected to have these like for example kitchens where nobody knows that we have anything in our kitchen. But unless right. you have a kitchen where you have huge amounts of storage where you can put away all your small appliances, right. stuff's going to be out. People and are going to know that is, you use stuff. There is something um much more peaceful and satisfying about feeling like you've put something away and all you have to do yeah. is decide that that's where it goes instead that's where of it goes. decide that it's already it's away. Yeah. Um yeah. So, okay, so here's another kind of specific tip, and that is if you have – I have a lot of bins and baskets, um, you know, for toys in every room. Um, and it, it does help, I think, to buy ones that look nice, and I've done that in different ways over the years. But the key with bins and baskets for me, whatever I decide goes in that one, is to not have them be overflowingly full. I think there's something really kind of, um, like, frustrating and – and anxiety producing about some like cramming stuff in and then trying to get something out. And this goes for everything, the drawers that your clothes are in. So unless you really are bursting at the seams, truthfully from a square footage perspective, try to give yourself the gift of containers that are not too full. Does that make sense? So like pick pick something where it's never going to be full to the brim. I think this is helpful for kids too. We have a dress up we have a dress up bin upstairs by their bedrooms with all the like hats and scarves, that kind of dress up stuff. And then I keep Halloween costumes, which are like bigger, you know, like full costumes yeah. in the garage, which we only get out for Halloween or if they really want to put on a play or something. And every once in a while, those the costumey stuff will sneak upstairs and go in this dress up bin. And I they they have a harder time putting stuff away. I get so mad when I pull this bin out and it's like hats and wands are just sticking right. out and it's just something more calming about a bin that has room in it. I don't know. It maybe this is like sounds totally out to left field, but I think if you if if you are doing organizing, you're planning where stuff's going to go, give yourself room, literally. Like yeah. extra room for either for you to add more stuff on there or just to feel like you can go through it without it being spilling over the top. I think that's like a metaphor for life or something. No, I completely agree. Okay, one thing that just popped into my head that I feel like I have to cover before mm-hmm. we say adieu yeah. is that the reality of our lives as parents and moms and people with small people in our house is that there's always going to be like a pending like yes. pending 
Yes. Stuff that's pending, in right? In process. Yeah. In process. And I feel like we need to plan for that and not have it feel like a failure or like, like an afterthought. Because, Agreed. okay, here's an example. I'm sitting at my desk right now and I'm looking at this. And this is something I'm not always great about because I feel like I should take care of things faster. Mm-hmm. But it's not always within my control. So I have a, a picture that I've had on my wall forever. One of the kids knocked it off. The glass broke. Okay, well, for me to take care of this picture, I don't want to take it out of the broken frame until I have a new frame to replace it with. It's an odd size. I got to order it off Amazon. So that's Mm -hmm. step one. Step two is I'm going to have to take it outside and take the glass out safely. You know, so there's like all these things that have to happen before that can really be truly taken care of. And so there has to be a place for that. I mean, I can't just pretend like that stuff doesn't ever happen. And you can't just do it now. Conventional advice. No, I can't just do it now. Right. would say, well, just take care of it. If you can't take care of it right now, schedule it in your calendar or put it in. You just, it's just not feasible all the time in these phases of our lives. Exactly. So I have like a a inbox on my desk that's really just a big pile of stuff that I haven't dealt with yet. And I feel good because it's in one place. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell when I start to, when I, when I start to get anxious is when that spills over and there's a second pile next to it. Mm -hmm. And maybe I try to like Jimmy a third pile, like going the other Mm -hmm. direction. And you start that's to when I forget know. what's in that pile. <laughs> like, right. That's when I know that's too many piles. But if you have a pile, that's okay. Like we don't, not everything. And sometimes I'm the kind of person, if I put something away, sometimes I forget about it. So I can't just put things out of sight because they will truly be out of mind. So like returns, like um, mm-hmm. that I haven't printed out the return thing yet and I haven't bothered to take it to the mailbox yet or whatever. Those things need a place to go to. And those, and it's, that's life, right? Yeah. We all have those things. It's not like a failure because you haven't. Oh gotten that return in the mail yet, or yeah. you haven't taken that thing back to the store or fixed this or hung that or whatever. It's not always as simple as do it now. Yeah. And just to be gentler with yourself about it. Like yeah. that is part of your decor. Like miscellany is part of your home. Yes. It's not a beast right. to be tamed all the time. Sometimes right. like you get the energy and you tame the beast, but the beast will come back. <laughs> the beast is always going to come back. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, I think we covered a lot. Um, again, did. Thanks, thanks to Kate from San Francisco and your really sweet note. I hope we kind of addressed some of these things. You're not alone in wanting to curb the, what did you call it? A tidal wave, a tidal wave yes. of crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, we know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's all. That's all I got for now. All of this will be at the This is episode 35 and we will be. Please leave a comment and let us yeah. know your struggles though. And what you think about the KonMari method and all other, yeah. if you have another organizing method that you like better or whatever, um, would love to hear it. Yes. would love to. All right. Thanks everybody. We will be back next week. Next week. See ya. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening 
and leave the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us. And it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple podcasts, you can navigate to the mom hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the mom hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.